Canute, welcome to the Bitcoin Source. Thank you for taking time out to have this conversation. Can we start things off by you introducing yourself to the audience? Yeah, I'm Knut Swanholm. Uh, I wrote three books about Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin Sovereignty Through Mathematics, Bitcoin Independence Reimagined, and the latest one is called Bitcoin Everything Divided by 21 Million, uh, which is a phrase from an article I wrote uh, back in 2020, and uh, that turned into a video which featured an equation which then showed up everywhere. So that's why I named the book after that, I guess. And I'm cur currently on the beautiful island of Madeira, working with the Free Madeira project with a whole bunch of other Bitcoiners. And uh, uh, we're getting some help from the government here or from the president here specifically to uh, make the transition into a hyper-Bitcoinized world smoother for this particular region of the world. Nice, nice. That's really good to hear. And, you know, I'm so grateful to hear that, you know, even during the bear market, there's still a lot of Bitcoiners putting in that proof of work and still creating things on the back end that, you know, down the road, people will be happy to hear about. What bear market? <laughs> the, the, the bear market that they give us the illusion that is there, um, you know, with the with the downtrend of the price. But yes, you know, if you never sold your Bitcoin, you never lost money. <laughs> so, yeah. There's no bear market. If you you can choose if there's a bear market or not. <laughs> so, uh, Canute. So the first question I usually ask people on the Bitcoin source is one that's probably my most important and the one that I love the most is pretty much where did you source your Bitcoin knowledge? Whether it's books, courses, or even people in the Bitcoin ecosystem that might have inspired you. So, could you give the audience that answer to, um, you know, where did you? you know, gain your, your, your aptitude for Bitcoin and what kind of inspired you to do so? Uh, like many people in my specific Bitcoin generation, I was orange-pilled by Andreas Antonopoulos back in 1415-something. And then I attended an online um, course uh, at the University of Nicosia, Cyprus in uh, 2016 uh, called Digital Currencies or something in plural, where Andreas was one of the teachers. And I, yeah, I, I uh, exited that with flying colors. And uh, then I thought to myself, am I going, uh, so what am I going to do with all this newfound knowledge that I have? Uh, am I going to like invest in this education thing and, and do the full master's degree? Or, uh, well, I could just stack some Bitcoin. Um, um, I didn't have very much money to put aside, but I managed to get my hands on some Bitcoin and then started writing about it. And the more I thought about it, the more um, the plural world, word of the the plural form of the word cryptocurrency made very little sense to me. I mean, even the first article I wrote is about how um, it's a comparison between like the first Donald Duck comic book magazine and uh, the best Donald Duck magazine and the, which one will be worth more. And of course, the first is worth more regardless because it's scarcer and it was the first one. So that's the one people will want. Um, that's the thesis from that old article. And uh, I, I'm pretty proud that I stick to my guns uh, and never took the bag of money from the shit, shitcoiner X that tried to bribe me with a bag of money. Uh, so, so uh, yeah, I guess the phrase from Scarface comes to mind. All I have is my word and my balls, and I don't break them for no one. <laughs> so, yeah, 
happy to be here. It feels like I have a ticket to the front row seat uh, here for the future of mankind and insider information about humanity. And it's just uh, uh, a damn good spot to be in. So I'm enjoying it. Good. I'm enjoying it as well. And, you know, it's just great. And it's an honor to have you on because, you know, your book has changed so many people's lives. It's definitely changed my life as a Bitcoiner and reading about, you know, your journey and how, you know, 21 million, that number 21 million is such an important number. And, you know, one thing in your book, Canute, that was really instrumental to me was was time preference. And, you know, man, man has time and Bitcoin has block height. So why is why is low time preference important to Bitcoiners looking to adopt this asset? Well, it's sort of the other way around that Bitcoiners, um, once once you get your hands on some Bitcoin, you tend to adopt a lower time preference. Uh, for those that don't know, time preference is how uh, uh, like from a scale from high to low. So high time preference means you make very short term decisions. And uh, a person who has just been robbed of all his belongings, so you have nothing and you're a bum living on the street, then you tend to make very short-term decisions uh, because you need to feed yourself and you need to find shelter. Uh, so that those become your priorities and you think very little about long-term <laughs> projects and your grandchildren and so on. But once you, you have capital uh, and you, you know you're financial situation is secured in some way, then you can afford to make more long-term long decisions. And the comparison I draw in the book is a, that high, a high time preference is a very fearful state of mind because you fear for your life all the time. And what is the opposite of fear? The opposite of fear is love. So uh, having a, a lower time preference enables you to be a more loving and compassionate human being. 100% I agree with that. And I think that, you know, the most valuable thing we have, you know, outside of, you know, the higher power outside of God is, is time, because time is so important and so precious. And I think that, at least for me, once I really got into Bitcoin, and I really started to understand the fundamentals and the protocol of what this asset is, I realized that time is just super important. And you have to really utilize it the best that you can, you know, yeah, and only two things on this earth are absolutely scarce, and that's human time, your your specific time on this earth, and Bitcoin, and that's what gives them value, I guess. Like, uh, uh, I make the argument in the book that an infinite, uh, 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 a being that was indestructible and could live forever would never be incentivized to do anything, because that being could postpone every action indefinitely. So, so the very thing that gives us uh, motivation to do anything really is the fact that we're, we will die one day. Uh, so yeah, uh, and Bitcoin provides a perfect representation of all human life and all human time in, in that sense. Definitely. And Canoe, I kind of want to switch gears because I want to talk about your book because I think that it's very profound and it's kind of crazy how things come full circle. So I actually watched your interview or your speech, I should say, at Bitcoin Amsterdam and you talked about the camaraderie that people have in the Bitcoin ecosystem. And ironically, when I read your book and I actually started to pick it back up again recently, um, one of the first things in the book is that you kind of 
um, mentioned several Bitcoiners that you kind of dedicated the book to. And do you believe that Bitcoiners are the most helpful people in the cryptocurrency ecosystem? Definitely. I, I don't believe there is a cryptocurrency ecosystem. I think there's Bitcoin and there's shitcoins. Uh, and, uh, you know, shitcoiners are scammers or e either they're scammers or extremely gullible. And Bitcoin is the, the signal here and all the rest is noise. And there's no way around that. Uh, I mean, Bitcoin prioritized, like, like a blockchain can solve two out of three problems. And that is uh, uh, security, decentralization and uh, scalability. And Bitcoin prioritized the first two, um, security and, and decentralization. Uh, so any other cryptocurrency that wants to compete with Bitcoin will have to sacrifice one of those two in order to compete at all, which means that they will have to sacrifice either security or decentralization in order to become more scalable. Uh, and in doing that, they, they nullify their, the, the whole point of their existence, because if they're not secure, and if they're not decentralized, then it's just a, it's just another scam shit show. So we're back to the banking system again. So so uh, that's why Bitcoin had to to lay the foundations first and then build scalability on second layers, such as the Lightning Network. Uh, so you, the way I see it, you can't solve the double spending problem twice. It, can, it can't be double solved. Um, Trying to replicate resistance to replicability makes no sense. Yeah, most definitely. And kind of just to reference what you said, too, about um, the differentiation between Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, I think that a lot of people in the ecosystem are kind of confused on the two. And when you really look at like FTX, the the, the shit show that we're seeing now with, with, with that, um, I always look at Bitcoin as a brand. And I think that cryptocurrency is a brand and Bitcoin is a brand. But the million other crypto things that are out there dilutes their brand and with bitcoin it's only one so there's no vacillation between is this this or is this that and i think that the cryptocurrency space they're kind of seeing the uh the errors of their ways now with the market kind of changing people going insolvent and it's just beautiful to see in a sense of like being a bitcoiner and kind of sticking to your guns when people pressure you or tell you that you know you're a scammer or you're this or you're that because you believe in something outside of bitcoin i think that the true bitcoiners understand what they're fighting for and why they're doing this and just to look at twitter and to see you know these big companies that have taken so many people's money kind of just falling by the wayside is just like incredible it's like wow like you know, Knut was right, Safe Dean was right, Michael Saylor was right. You know, it's like beautiful to see it. When you've been in this space for a while, you, you, you've you seen this all before. It, it, it keeps on happening over and over again. It's And it's the same thing. FTX is just another abbreviation. The first one was MT Gox. And uh, the, the big takeaway is not your keys, not your coins. Because that's the problem Bitcoin solves. That, like, you can take custody of your own assets like the, the it erases the the differentiation between knowledge and ownership so knowing your bitcoin private key is the same as owning those bitcoins and that's why i always say like uh, el salvador has no bitcoins microstrategy has no bitcoins some guy has those bitcoins or some guys if there's multi-sig setup but but to say that a whole country owns bitcoin what is that a multi-sig solution with you know 2.5 million out of 5 million people having to <laughs> sign at the same time i don't think so there's there's a 
they are custodial Bitcoin and they don't don't really count. The uh, this is Bitcoin changes the dynamic um, so much uh, in this sense. It, it, it reveals all emperors to be naked. Uh, that there, there's no. There was never such a thing as a state. There was never such a thing as like any of these institutions. Uh, they were all in our minds all the time. That every, everything is in human society starts uh, as an idea, and everything can be changed by a, a better idea. And Bitcoin is that better idea. It's rules without rulers. We we do not no longer have to rely on politicians uh, and bankers with. Uh, which show themselves their true colors uh, on a daily basis almost nowadays, it seems. Uh, they, they show what they're capable of and they show that they they do not have your best interest uh, as their first priority. Uh, Bitcoin doesn't give a shit. It's just rules without rulers. Yeah, most definitely. And, you know, as they say, corrupt money corrupts absolutely. And, you know, what makes Bitcoin unique is its 21 million supply, right? And, you know, where do you where do you foresee society changing when everything is divided by 21 million Bitcoin? Yeah, it has always been corrupt. Like uh, gold uh, was the best uh, store of value we had uh, in the past because gold uh, inflated in had a gold's inflation had a lin linear relationship with the overall uh, technology advancements across society. But Bitcoin is not gold. Bitcoin is absolutely scarce. So we're, we're having a deflationary thing, which means that prices can go down indefinitely, which is very hard to, to wrap your head around and what that implies. Bitcoin uh, is the total inverse of whatever is going on now. So, so it's very hard to wrap your head around what that implies. Uh, but first of all, uh, I'd like to get back to the point about my talk in Amsterdam. Um, the longer I've been in Bitcoin, the more I've experienced interacting with other Bitcoiners. And they're always very friendly and they give up their time and their efforts for you for free all the time. Uh, and I thought a lot about that. And why is that? And wh why are these people giving me art and translations and editing my book and uh, all sorts of stuff that they just give away for free, especially services? Um, I came to the conclusion that, uh, that their Bitcoin stacks are more precious to them than their reputational capital even. So, so like us being friendly to one another is just Gresham's law playing out on Bitcoin standard. So Gresham's law states that if, if a country has two currencies, then let's say a US dollar and a Venezuelan Bolivar, people will try to spend the crappy currency first. So they will try to get rid of their bolivars before they get rid of their dollars and stack their dollars and get rid of their bolivars. Same with dollars and gold. They, they, people don't really interact with gold that much. They, they, they stockpile gold and they sell their dollars. And on a Bitcoin standard, that becomes even weirder because everything uh, becomes worth less than your Bitcoin stack. <laughs> so so you tend to, to spend even your reputational capital before you spend your Bitcoin stack. And you, you know also that in doing so, in helping other Bitcoiners succeed, you help Bitcoin succeed. So you're incentivized uh, in many different ways to, to help other Bitcoiners succeed. 
I mean, that's why we're doing this pod now. Like you have me on a guest uh, on as a guest because you believe I can provide something of value to your pod. And I'm on as your guest because I believe your pod can give, bring something of value to me. But we're not exchanging any sets. So, so I think the necessity for monetary transactions to happen at all goes down and not up on a, in a hyper-Bitcoinized world. Uh, so, so we get to a place where people, the division of labor can happen without money. Uh, if, if you think of your family, uh, you very rarely, and your closest friends, you very rarely, uh, you know, transact with each other using money. You just do favors and, and uh, you can rely on the other person giving you a favor back at some point or like you want to help your fellow man. And what Bitcoin does is it, it, it enlarges this circle of your family. Like you, you know, you can trust other Bitcoiners. Ironically, this don't trust verify attitude makes it easier for us to, to, uh, you know, uh, weed out the bad seeds and uh, separate signal from noise and interact with other Bitcoiners without using money. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think we're headed for, towards a very bright future and a very, very different future where uh, the yield is the friends you make along the way. Definitely. And that social currency is so important. And that's something that I've kind of really learned. You know, I got into Bitcoin in 2017, but I was still so you know ignorant to it and it took a long time until i really started writing about bitcoin creating articles for bitcoin magazine connecting with people in the space such as yourself reading these books that people put out that's when i had the aha moment the paradigm shift and i realized you're right canute like social currency is so important i mean i do send stats to people but it's not in the sense of like you know the way the fiat system is set up if I feel inspired by someone or someone has a project or a service out there that I like and they're offering it in only Bitcoin, I may purchase it. I may use a tipping feature on Twitter, for example. But for the most part, you are right. When I'm having these intellectual Bitcoin conversations with people, there's no stats exchanged and there's no need because the value is in the conversation that we're having, like you said. And this will hopefully inspire and kind of push someone down the road that doesn't know about Bitcoin or is interested about Bitcoin to really get orange pilled. Yeah, but uh, I think it's not limited to only conversation, but but everything. Uh, I mean, if you're uh, if you're a restaurant owner and you um, serve a Bitcoin or a steak and you don't charge the Bitcoiner for it, you're likely to get your worth <laughs> one worth one steak worth of value back in one way or another at some point anyway. And also, like if you have. Um, all, all ships rise with the tide, and as number goes up over time, all Bitcoiners become wealthier. And wealthier people tend to pick up the bill more often, for instance. So, so if 10 wealthy people go to a restaurant, uh, and that, I, by wealthy I mean Bitcoin wealthy and not fiat wealthy, because fiat wealthy people can be assholes. Uh, in Bitcoin, that's much harder. So, so, you, so one of the, those 10 people will pick up the bill. And if you go out to a restaurant 10 days in a row, uh, 10 transactions happen because someone picks up the bill every day. If 10 poor people or greedy people, uh, you know, <laughs> Bitcoin poor people, soul poor people, uh, go uh, high time preference people go out to restaurants for, for 10 days in a row, they will split the bill every day. And then 100 transactions happen. So so I have this theory that uh, the, the, the more 
the wealthier you are in 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 true capital, not not fiat wealthy, but Bitcoin wealthy, the the, the uh, the number of trans total transactions in society, the necessity for them goes away. And that's the weirdest part because there's, I, I don't really see an end point to that either. So so what Bitcoin was, I mean, it's called a, a commodity and a money and a currency and a protocol and a network, but it's really just a mathematical experiment that we run in the back of our heads that enables us to interact with one another in all of these ways. And the, the weirdest part of that is that we had this ability within us to, to just be better to one another. We had it within us all the time. So all Bitcoin did was unlock something in us. Uh, so a, a Bitcoin private key, the, 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 the cliche phrase I, I, <laughs> I'm trying to um, popularize is that a Bitcoin private key is a literal key to your heart so that you can wear it on your sleeve in public. Yeah. Something, something like that. It sounds weird and it sounds a bit new agey, but but I think that's where we're headed. We're headed to a, a much much better world. world. Uh, and also the fact that bitcoins are very hard to confiscate. Even if I put a gun to your head and say, "Give give me all your bitcoins," I can never be sure that you you gave me all your bitcoins. Uh, I can know that you gave me some bitcoins, but as long as I don't know how many you have, which I can't, by the way. Uh, it makes no sense for me to threaten you or coerce you. Uh, it makes much more sense for me to provide something of value back in order to get something of value from you. Uh, and this is how the dynamics of violence change. There's a new shelling point for how we interact with one another. And ultimately, that leads to, you know, give peace a chance, uh, at the end of war, the end of poverty, the end of coercion, the end of everything bad with Bitcoin fixes everything. And, you know, Bitcoin isn't the tip of the spear, it's the shield. And I think that people have to realize that Bitcoin is the shield to not only your finances, but the way that we socially interact with each other in our culture, in our society, because everything has been corrupted, manipulated by money. You know, money is kind of the the lifeblood of our society. And if that becomes corrupted, in theory, our society becomes corrupted. So I, I really agree with you, Knut, on that. That makes perfect sense. And... Last question for you, Canoe. You know, what is your favorite chapter in your book, 21 Million, and why? Uh, at the moment, it's probably the Element Zero chapter because we made a video out of that one. Uh, and uh, I think that landed well. Uh, it, it's not my original idea. It came from a, a, a German Bitcoin philosopher uh, called Jörg Hemsdorf. And I uh, tried to popularize that idea because I, I thought very underrated. Uh, so I wrote a chapter about it and Yoni Appelberg and Guy Swan helped me make this beautiful little video animation of it. So if you haven't seen it, go and see that. Um, that's the one I'm proud of at the moment. Nice, most definitely. Canute, this Bitcoin conversation has been great. I really enjoyed it. I hope people get a lot of the gems that you kind of elucidated in this conversation and they can use that to become better Bitcoiners. Can you give the world your social media handles or any future endeavors that you want the audience to know about? Yeah, I'm at Knut Swanholm on Twitter. Um, and uh, my website is knutswanholm.com, where you can find all my books and some Bitcoin merch. And I'm also making a wine at this point, Infinity Red, just because I can. <laughs> uh, and... Uh, also, check out the freemadeira.com website uh, where you can uh, find out more about that project and what, it, what it's about. Uh, 
yeah, that's my basic channels. Great, great. Uh, Canute, once again, thank you for taking time to be on the Bitcoin source. Have a good one. Thank you.